Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. job to ensure their freedoms and liberties are safeguarded. I am not going to make criminals out of law-abiding citizens that are struggling to make ends meet and put food on the table. Excellent sheriff voice to start with. That's a sheriff in Arizona. Got the sheriff voice. Terrific sheriff voice. Agreed. Um, And he's another one of your more local officials that is uh, fighting back against some of the blanket rules set uh, at a higher level. I tell you what, the the message has gotten into the brains of a lot of the governors and, you know, some of the federal people, too. Oh, stop it. My printer decides to start working now. <laughs> anyway, um, it, it's gotten into their brains that the only thing, the only standard to which they'll be held to account is how many people have died of the coronavirus. And that's the only thing that matters. They're utterly fixated on it to the exclusion of all else, including the economy and the businesses and and, and, you know, a collapsing economy means deaths of despair and addiction and, and suicide and the rest of it. And it's just, it's to the point now of insanity. 
where you have places that have had practically no cases. They have no cases now. Nobody's died. And you still can't get your hair cut. It's, and, and it's crazy. And people who just don't have six months of cash in the bank are getting decimated by this. And, and you barely even get a tip of the cap from the powers that be to that reality. It's incredibly frustrating. You know, I'm reading this piece by a friend of the Armstrong and Getty show, uh, Scott Atlas, Dr. Scott Atlas with the Hoover Institution. Oh, and, and I will absolutely get to the Wall Street Journal's super piece on if you need to negotiate bills because you're financially wrecked right now, they have some really good advice mm. for you. But um, Dr. Atlas, um, is uh, his headline is the dad is in, stop the panic and end the total isolation. And he makes a number of... Um, a number of good points, including the overwhelming majority of people do not have any significant risk of dying from COVID-19. It is not a hoax. This is not fake. I heard a guy call it a hoax over the weekend. It's not. It's a horrific disease if you get it. Young, healthy person I know has been sick for a month, like decimated sick. It's awful if you're one of the unlucky ones. But the overwhelming majority of people do not have any significant risk of dying from the thing. The death rate turns out to be very, very small. It's difficult to know exactly, exactly, but it's small. Protecting older at-risk people eliminates hospital overcrowding. Uh, that's been successful, completely successful. Dr. Atlas points out vital population immunity is prevented by total isolation policies prolonging the problem. He's talking about herd immunity is really what's going to help us. Uh, fact four, people are dying because other medical care is not getting done due to hypothetical projections. And his fifth point is, we have a clearly defined population at risk who can be protected with targeted measures. Uh, I think it's it's an excellent piece. Why don't we I'll post it at armstrongandgetty.com. Um, celebrity to death, Don Shula has died. The mostly known as the coach of the Miami Dolphins way back in the day. If you're of a certain age, coach the undefeated 72 Dolphins. Also, he's the winningest coach in NFL history. Also, won 5,000 games. Also, lost the Super Bowl to Joe Namath. You got to remember that, huh? He was the coach on the losing side. Is that right? I think so. Am I wrong? I could be wrong. Maybe I made that up. Did I make that up, Sean? Didn't he beat the Colts, which was, uh, it could be done. Was Don Shula coaching them? No, the Jets was eight. I don't even remember. It was a long time ago. Nobody cares. And if I know that, and if I'm right, I wish I didn't know that. Because yeah. why would I need that piece of information in my head anyway? To be a manly man amongst other manly men. Nah. Thrown around your Don Shula information. <laughs> Ran into Don Shula once at a golf club. You did. I saw him. There you go. I looked at him. He looked kind of at me in the same direction. That's a fascinating story. Thank you. Yeah, it was really a special moment for me. Did we nail that really. down yet, Sean? Uh, I've so I've gotten the, he played in or coached six Super Bowls, only won two. I don't know specifically. So he's a loser. Oh boy, died at oh. age ninety is a loser. Clearly, wow. clearly that's wow. what happened. That is um, not, uh, did not any, right. Did anybody? The, the audio on this is not good. It's a visual. Otherwise, I would play some of it. But did any Don Shula dying? No, I'm sorry. I'm switching topics here. Oh. I don't have a visual or audio of Don Shula dying. We need to play a noise when you're making yeah, a transition. It's I do very need, confusing. I do need to. <laughs> okay. um, I tweeted out a woman going berserk at, uh, at a car at a stoplight. Did you, oh, did yeah. you watch that? I did. It was very entertaining. Did you see Feisty that, Sean? little gal. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah some, some real, uh, the, the typical internet reaction is that that's some real speak to the manager energy just exuding. In all aspects. She twisted off over something and started yelling at this guy in his SUV and then started punching the vehicle and kicking it. 
And uh, and I thought the comments were every bit as entertaining as the, uh, the the video, even though the video is quite extraordinarily entertaining. And then she finally uh, gets done punching and kicking a car, <laughs> a truck, and yeah. then and then good l- idea, and lets out a banshee scream like a really truly psycho person. Yeah. Although she she doesn't look crazy, she looks like a like a soccer mom. I guess that's why it's interesting. If she were a street person, you, you unfortunately in big cities you see that kind of person all the time. Well, there are a number of brands of crazy, and she's definitely one of them. There's no doubt. But I was surprised by the number of comments of, man, if she did not to my car, we'd be fighting that sort of thing. Uh, crazy person wants to kick and punch my car. Uh, I got insurance. I assume the police will find you. Yeah, kick and punch away. I'll just sit here in my car while you continue Keep to mash. And- while you continue to mash your hands against the steel sides of my vehicle. Yeah, I'll just look at you with my what the heck face. What is wrong <laughs> with you? Anyway, yeah. that's why you should follow us on Twitter. That sort of glorious stuff that happens. Um, but I, I came across this text, and it doesn't matter who said it, but said, I spent a refreshing 48 hours off Twitter over the weekend. Nice. Is everyone still argumentative and unreasonably hostile? Yes. 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 Welcome back. Absolutely. Um, I know I hit a point yesterday taking in some news. I just thought I just I just I just can't then can't engage in this. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just I, can't, can't be a know, part of this. Some days it's like, I don't know what it's like. It's like something. But uh, some days you dive into the Twitter machine, it's just so interesting and thought-provoking and stimulating, and you get turned on to what's happening in the world, and sometimes you get sucked into these subcurrents of just hostile stupidity. I was feeling this way watching the Sunday talk shows, which are supposed to be an elevation above, like, the Twitter crowd. They are? Um, Yeah, no kidding. Are they? And it was, you know, arguing over, did Trump respond soon enough still? And just, seriously? Okay, knock yourself out with that. Have a good time. Okay, two two quick notes on that. All right, there it is. Finally. And a Joe Biden sexual allegation update in just a moment. Yeah, um, a couple of notes. First of all, um, I, I saw Don Shula's dead, right? Uh, yeah, he is uh, definitely he, past. God bless him. He did lose Super Bowl three to the Jets. There you go. There you go. There's some good knowledge. There you go. Uh, so, uh, speaking to the Twitter briefly, uh, Bernie Sanders tweeted uh, several days ago. It was like half, almost a week ago. If the White House gift shop is going to produce $100 COVID-19 coins, Trump can sure as hell utilize the Defense Production Act to manufacture the gloves, gowns, and masks our medical workers desperately need. What's a COVID-19 coin? The White House gift shop is selling $100 COVID-19 commemorative coins. On the other hand, to this was a pandemic. This is fact check, Jack. And in spite of the fact that a the White House gift shop is in no way affiliated with the White House. Oh, I didn't know. It's just that. a gift shop. I didn't know. It that. was way back in the day, but now it's entirely independently. Oh, okay. Well, then they're um, going to print up all kinds of crap. Well, right, right. Uh, and what was the other aspect of this that uh, they figured out was fake? Um, but anyway, it has nothing to do with the actual White House or the president. And this was discovered days and days ago, but Bernie Sanders has left a tweet up and it has 7,000 likes. So that's how dumb politics is. Um, but secondly, on the topic, and uh, Sean, I'm going to need clip uh, 26. This is a collection of clips of politicians from New York City, including Mayor de Blasio, the world's most gigantic communist, um, his Director of Health for New York City. This is a couple of MSNBC and CNN commentators. This is uh, Nancy Pelosi. These are all Democrats in early February. Hit it. 
The risk to New Yorkers for coronavirus is low. And our city preparedness is high. This should not stop you from going about your life, should not stop you from going to Chinatown and going out to eat. I'm going to do that today myself. Come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. There is no concern at this time for coronavirus in our region. The Department of Sanitation is ready for Mardi Gras 2020. The facts are reassuring. We want New Yorkers to go about their daily lives. There's really no need to panic and to avoid activities that we always do as New Yorkers. We are a hearty people. Americans do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however, mm -hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu. There's very little threat here. This disease, even if you were to get it, basically acts like a common cold or flu. So we're telling New Yorkers, go about your lives, take the subway, go out, enjoy life, and certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. I'm gonna be there. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. We need to be honest about the American people, with the American people about the fact that we can't keep people coming here from China. And transmission is not that easy. I think there's been a misperception um, that coronavirus hangs in the air waiting to catch you. No, it takes direct person-to-person -person contact. We also know that if it were likely to be transmitted casually, we would be seeing a lot, a lot more, more cases. cases. Right, right, because yeah. this is New York and you're in elevators exactly. and trains exactly. with, with everybody all the time. Boy, so that's the, interesting. The point is not that Democrats are stupid. Let's own the libs. That's not my point. Uh, although there's some truth to that. Um, the uh, uh, Everybody was flat-footed. Everybody in the great idiotic uh, you know, uh, debate, who was most at fault in the early days, is just that. It's an idiotic debate. Everybody screwed up. Nobody knew what they were doing with, uh, dealing with. The Trump administration could have been a lot better and a lot faster. Uh, so could Congress. So could Bill de Blasio and New Orleans and everybody else. We didn't know what we were dealing with, and we really ought to see if we can elevate the discussion from there. So there's a Joe Biden sexual allegation update. You've also got the uh, how to negotiate uh, with bills you can't pay or whatever. That's all, right. All on the way. Stay here. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So here's the sum total of the Joe Biden sexual allegation Tara Reid update. There are a couple of more people. There are now a total of four people who say, yeah, she told me about that back in the day, although they vary in how uh, detailed her telling these stories are. Right. And that's kind of iffy in terms of corroboration. It's not kind of iffy. It's very iffy in terms of corroboration. A crazy person who believes something that's not true, you know. Um, yeah, but to me, this is why it's over. She was scheduled to be on Fox News Sunday yesterday with Chris Wallace and then canceled due to security concerns, she said. Uh, she's, a, she's a nut job. She pulled out citing security concerns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But she's she's a she's a she's a flighty nut. Now it doesn't mean it didn't happen, but a story can't go on if if she can't show up to interviews. I mean that was going to be her big national interview. Really turn this into something, and she couldn't show up for or wouldn't show up for whatever reason. 
Well, you could work out means by which to appear via, you know, Skype, Zoom, or whatever in like 20 minutes if you wanted to. I'm sure she would have been. In the comfort of your own whatever. Interesting. So, listen, I thought this was really handy, uh, really good information uh, from the Wall Street Journal. And, you know, you can either take notes. You should probably, you know, take notes as you listen to the show every day. But uh, you can either jot down notes or just re-listen to the podcast. You can get the uh, podcasts anytime. uh, Armstrong, I'm sorry. Armstrongandgetty.com. So this segment will be available via podcast later today. But uh, they mentioned a number of different sorts of bills you might have that you can't pay right now because the almighty governor slash dictators of your state have shut down all sorts of businesses many times in defiance of all logic and medical need. The editorializing will stop there, but I will tell you I know personally people are really hurting. So... Um, if you're going to call your lender about a loan, a mortgage, whatever, they say review your financial situation, the terms of the account, and and click around on the Internet. See what their competitors are offering in terms of interest rates or relief. Um, and and make sure you understand the terminology in your loan. That's a, That's pretty good. They say in general, script a few bullet points of what you'd like to say so you can keep the conversation professional. Uh, for example, you could state that you lost your job due to the coronavirus and that you would like to work something out with them so they can get some of their money. Then ask for how they might help. Be silent and let them make an offer. Don't t- necessarily take the first offer. Politely ask what else is available as you may get a more favorable deal. A lot of, uh, a lot of uh, customer service people who deal with this sort of thing, they have the, uh, what do you call that? It's like a, it's like a, 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 a chart like a conversation tree yeah yeah that's that's it uh, roughly if if the customer says great i'll take it then uh, go to the next screen you sign them up if the customer says mm, that's not good enough go to this they're not going to offer it up front mm. that's good advice and the whole uh, bullet points to keep it professional some people need that because they tend to get upset and emotional and the rest of it um and so that's probably a good idea just to have some some notes and then, Jack, you've talked about this on the air uh, on various occasions. If your first call isn't successful, you don't like the answer, call back oh. on a different oh, day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had that happen so many times in my life. Here's, here's the, the best example is anything doing with cell phones. You don't like what they told you at the, the one AT&T place? Go to the next one. Mm-hmm. The next person you talk to will have a completely different offer and a completely different story. <laughs> Which but is that unbelievable. Is, that is very true. true. And I've dealt with that with... With loans and stuff, too. Call back and talk to a different person. See what they say. Yep. Uh, let's see. The creditor's goal is to get paid and keep you as a customer. Ask to speak with the customer loyalty department or manager. Inquire what discounts and promotions are available. What else they've offered to other customers. That's a good one. Uh, and they, they point out, as frustrating as it is to wait on hold and difficult to recount your situation to a stranger, losing your cool with a representative rarely leads to a more favorable outcome. I believe Try- that. Try to stay calm, and they'll be more likely, more motivated to help you. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm trying to think. Nah, that's not that important. Landlords. Landlords want to keep their buildings full and cash flow steady. And since they typically know how long and difficult it can be to take someone to court to collect overdue rent, uh, renters may have more leverage than they realize. Uh, too God, much leverage think, in a lot of states. I would think they they, they would right now. Uh, offer a deal that is mutual, mutually agreeable. For example, you might ask for a 30% rent reduction for three months and in turn offer to extend your lease. 
That's pretty good. If your landlord doesn't agree to your initial offer, torch the place. No, I'm sorry. I threw that in for purposes of humor. Uh, if they don't like your initial <laughs> offer, you might be able to negotiate something else, such as free utilities or parking. That's interesting. If they don't agree, get a cat that pees everywhere. <laughs> or pee yourself. And blame it on a cat that you don't have. Send them on a goose chase. <laughs> cat chase. And they mentioned the credit card companies are pretty flexible these days because they want you to keep using their cards. So, anyway, good luck. Go get them. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I worry that the past two months of quarantine have given people the idea that the way for humans to win our million-year war with microbes is to avoid them completely. And I'm here to tell you, you can't. The key to beating COVID isn't dining through glass or never going to a concert or a ball game again. It's your immune system. You hear people say COVID-19 is a new virus, so the immune system doesn't know how to handle it. Bullshit. Of course it does. That's why the vast majority of people have had it, either recovered or didn't even know they had it. What do you think did that? The human immune system. That's an excellent point right there. Well said, Billy Boy. Yeah, there there could be a problem with, like I said the other day, and I don't know if I'll ever grab a public door handle with my bare hand ever again in my life. I just don't know if I will. So um, gross. And I also thought to myself, if I continue with this, I was headed into the convenience store with a mask on and a glove, and I got, you know, the antibacterial stuff in the car and everything like that. And I thought, if I continue this lifestyle when this is over, could I avoid ever getting a cold ever again in my life for the most part? And the flu? Probably be, be, not. Yeah, it would cut down the chances pretty significantly, though. Yeah. 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 I think I oh, get yeah. most of my colds from my kids, and there's nothing I can do to stop that, but. You think so? I just I wonder how much we're going to hunker down against uh, germs and viruses, and that's not you know a good idea. No, it's not. No, um, it's not. I was reading. Uh, there was an article. Where was that article I read over the weekend about uh, prior to them understanding germ theory, which came about in like the mid eighteen hundreds. Um, you know, nobody had any idea how you got this stuff. They blamed it on demons or bad luck or or whatever. Well, and quite famously, back in the uh, American Revolutionary times, most people believed that colds and flu, disease in short, were transmitted or caught by cold air or too much fresh air. So if somebody was uh, sick or whatever, you'd, you'd close everything up and stay inside and the rest of it. And Ben Franklin was one of the few who said, no, I think fresh air is probably a good idea. I think you ought to open the window. But it's hard to imagine this now because, you know, you've been uh, indoctrinated into the idea of germ theory since you were a tiny kid. But, like, back in the day, there was a, a, a town pump and they had a community cup and everybody drink out of the same cup. Well, why wouldn't you all drink out of the same cup? What would be the reason not to? Now it just automatically seems oogie. Right. But, but that's if only... anybody gets sick, you have an exorcism and purify the cup. <laughs> Bring the leeches. But what it brought about when German theory took on, uh, when, when it really took hold, and, and, and at that time, the likelihood of your kids dying in their first year of life was so high. Everybody was just horrified by that. It was, you know, it was as common as not. 
um, immediately parents stopped interacting with their kids, like hugging them and touching them and that sort of stuff. So mm. we went through a period of time where there is very little holding of babies or, or uh, touching little kids. Oh, Once that's the figure, worst oh, yeah. possible oh, thing. Yeah. yeah, just it, terrible. Psychologically, neurologically, emotionally, in terms of the immune system, that is exactly wrong. But I, my my point being, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see any long lasting effects out of this, like Bill Maher was just talking about, where people are really more germophobic than they ever were before. And what are the repercussions of that going to be? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, one quick note uh, about uh, Cal Unicornia. We got this note from Lynn, and this this applies to Michigan. This applies to Illinois. This applies to Florida where I think Ron DeSantis has done a pretty good job of explaining why they're not clamping down on everything, why they're reopening. This happens to be about California, but Lynn sent this along. Of California's roughly 2,200 COVID deaths, 55% are in Los Angeles. 40% of overall deaths were people in assisted living facilities, which cannot be more quarantined than they are. Sure. So that's about 600 deaths that are non-nursing home casualties outside of L.A. County. 600. Open the state up with common-sense restrictions, pretty boy, she writes, of Gavin Newsom. We've all been going to the grocery store and Home Depot, and these are the numbers with that going on. How many deaths of despair from economic ruination will there be? Not everybody likes the taste of government cheese. Well, and, and those who give That's you why government started- cheese will have paychecks until the end of time because they work for the government. That's why I've started calling him Adolf Newsom. Don't do that. Huh? I saw a couple of signs from the big rally at the. Uh, there was uh, the uh, there was like a truck somebody rented in California, and then I think it was one of the Michigan rallies. Somebody had a big placard, both with their governor with the Hitler mustache, or uh, oh jeez, or uh, hail hail de Fuhrer Gavin. Yep. What was it? Adolf Newsom. Gavin Newsom wants to invade Poland. I don't think he does. Nazi Germany. I think that's probably a distasteful comparison. He's just and call, saying anybody's like Hitler is that you, you have the argument of a six-year-old. Stop it! As soon as it's winter, he's going to try to march Californians into Moscow. <laughs> that would be an odd move. I tell you what, I will go to Moscow if that's what it takes to escape the murder hornet. I've got to read. Do we this. have Murder Hornet theme music. We Michael? should. We should have Murder Hornet theme music. I should read the first paragraphs from the New York Times story because it's so good. The oh, murder, yeah. murder Hornets are in the United States. Here we go. Are you ready? This is from Blaine Washington. In his decades of beekeeping, Ted McFall had never seen anything like it. Read, 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 read. As he pulled his truck up to check on a group of hives near Custer, um, Washington, um, he could spot from the window a mess of bee carcasses on the ground. I don't know how you'd spot bee carcasses. As he looked, there are piles and piles of them. As he looked closer, he saw a pile of dead members of the colony in front of a hive, and more carnage inside. Thousands and thousands of bees with their heads torn from their bodies, and no sign of a culprit. He probably heard that music, and he thought, "I couldn't wrap my head around what could have done that." Only later did he come to suspect that the killer was some researchers call the murder hornet wow with queens that can grow to two inches long these asian giant hornets can use their mandibles shaped like spiked shark fins to wipe out a honeybee hive in a matter of hours decapitating the bees and flying away with their thoraxes to feed to their young barbaric the little part they have a stinger long enough to puncture a beekeeping suit 
making sure. for an excruciating combination that victims have likened to hot metal driving into their skin. Holy cow. Asian giant hornets, better known as murder hornets. Well, they kill like up to 50 people a year in Japan. Yeah, kill old, them dead. A lot of really old people in Japan that don't have sex, so I don't know. What, what's the sex got to do? Oh, uh, yeah, this is this is crazy. And they're in the Northwest, I guess. They've seen a few of them. But, uh, and, you know, I was hoping for a little instruction on if you see one of these, here's what you do. You trap it, blah, blah, blah. But no, it's the, essentially the... Um, the etymologist I read said to run for your life if you see one Shoot of them. them. <laughs> Shoot it. Shoot it out of the air with your pistol. Oh, speaking of shooting, man, did we have some good uh, American gun fun over the weekend. Got together with my uh, shooting friends, and, man, we were blasting away with handguns and rifles and stuff like that. In your oh, cul-de-sac? Just... <laughs> In your nah, house? Guys, the guys got land out yonder. Uh, Do you see that video yet I sent of uh, Delaney shooting a watermelon packed with explosives? Awesome. I did, yes. Yeah, how cool is that? Needs to be more of that. Oh, yeah. Keep the murder hornets away. (laughs) Send a message. Send a message. Send a message to the watermelons. We're armed. If they're (laughs) mess with us, we're ready to mess with you. (laughs) You know, I'm a decent shot, but I don't think I can shoot a hornet out of the air. (laughs) Not, (laughs) Not without... Putting everybody at risk. Just like a wasp to show up to a gunfight with a stinger. That's what I would say. <laughs> what? Uh, burr. What was I going to say? It seemed important. Oh, um. anyway, so uh, if you see uh, any of these damn murder hornets, uh, alert your local <laughs> alert your local university. Dial 911 or, like or, yeah, call the county agent or scream like a girl. I don't know. You know, I appreciated uh, getting that news in my feed repeatedly over the weekend, but I realized I really hate curated news. I've come to resent it. Well, you're like your Apple News, for instance, or maybe you have signed up for some website that allegedly brings you the news you want, the algorithms, figure out what you like, and blah, blah, blah. And it's, I hate it. It, it too narrows the focus of the news I get. Mm. And and secondly, there's absolutely, you know, if you're a news freak like we are, you can see the editorial decisions being made by the curator yeah, as they oh, yeah. choose what you should read and what yeah. you should. I have that problem with YouTube videos. I regularly think, I want to start over. I want, can, hey, Google, can you erase everything you've ever learned about me and start over? Because I'm tired of hearing from this person or that person. Yeah, listen, I have varied interests. And it's like, you know, on the news thing. You look at, I don't know, you, your alma mater allegedly has the number one recruit in the state. So you click on that and say, oh, you know, maybe I'll watch a few games this year, whatever. And then you see another story that, uh, you know, cheerleader uh, caught with heroin. You think, oh, that's interesting. And then oh, before you know it, 60% of your feed is college yep. football stories. Yep. I, don't, yep. I don't actually care that much. Yeah, you click on a video with some person you like, and then and then everything they do from that point on is, is fed to you. Like you're just a simpleton that has no interest in any of the other 7 billion people on Earth. <laughs> well, and I know how the search function works. Exactly. Uh, if I want it, I'll find it. Although their idea is to suck you into the vortex. Yeah. So you just keep going and going. Um, there's some bad news out there on the virus. I was I was kind of wanting to feel like I'm letting the my wishes be the father of my thoughts and wishing this thing away. But uh, there's some bad news out there. We ought to hit you with next, and we'll see if you agree. Uh, some of it just out in like the last hour. Stay tuned. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. When you look across the country, it's really a mixed bag. Uh, certainly cases are falling in the tri-state region around New York City. But when you back out what's happening in New York, and New York's really driving a lot of the national statistics because it was such a large outbreak, um, around the nation, hospitalizations and new cases continue to rise. So there's about 20 states where we see a rising number of new cases. Illinois, Texas, Maryland, Indiana, Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee have a lot of new cases on a daily basis. And so while mitigation didn't fail, I think it's fair to say that it didn't work as well as we expected. We expected that we would start seeing more significant declines in new cases and deaths around the nation at this point, and we're just not seeing that. I, you know, I'm calling bullcrap on that. I found that troubling. That's Dr. Scott Gottlieb. He used to run the FDA. He was the first person that said, uh, we got to shut down counties and cities and states. And I thought, what are you, crazy? That's never going to happen. And uh, And he was right about that, so... I pay attention to it when he's on Face the Nation. But him saying the flattening the curve has not worked as well as we thought. No, he's full of crap. Me. I'm sorry. I don't know what he's selling. He's on the boards of labs and pharmaceuticals. I don't know what he's going for. And he's an American Enterprise Institute guy. But uh, the number of the rise in the number of cases is entirely related to the, the testing. Nobody has any idea what the trend is in cases because testing has been haphazard and it's growing. Spikes in cases mean spikes in testing, period. I'm looking at, uh, you know, I'm trying to look at your hotspot states. Uh, Michigan is well down from its peak in deaths and projected to keep plunging. Okay, well, let me jump. we got to jump in with this from the, the, the CDC. This has been leaked to the New York Times just today. It's come out in like the last hour. So the Trump administration now believes that we are going to see a steady rise in the number of cases and deaths over the next several weeks, reaching about 3,000 daily deaths on June 1st. Again, this is an internal document obtained by the New York Times this uh, today. Uh, currently, we have about 1,750 deaths. It's going to climb to around 3,000. They're also expecting about 200,000 new cases each day by the end of the month, up from 25,000 cases now. Now, that gets to the number of tests tests we're doing because you can't have you know if you if you do 10 tests you can't have more than 10 cases show up today right you know what i mean but and then you do a hundred thousand three weeks later and all uh, of a sudden an explosion in cases we're going to be seeing two hundred thousand new cases a day by the end of the month currently we're seeing twenty five thousand and the deaths are going to almost double leading up to june 1st according to information that's out today now the cdc i don't believe it well, I don't believe it. it, it might not I'm be looking true. at all the models. Nobody's saying that. New York Times. I don't. You know, if I am wrong, I will come on the air and I will state using my full name and social security number that I was completely incorrect. You have to put a murder hornet in your mouth. Oh that's the boy! Bet. Oh, but in my mouth? Um, no, that's, that's okay. Just, in your pants? That, oh, worse! Yeah, you put it in my mouth. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't get what they could possibly be talking about. Well, is there any chance Dr. Scott Gottlieb has that same information with his connections in the government? He heard that over the weekend. It didn't flatten like we thought it was going to flatten. The deaths are going to climb to the end of this month. And, uh, well, he goes on and you can quibble with him if you want. Um, let's go with, uh, substantive disagreements based on science are not quibbles, sir. Let's go with his next clip just there, Sean. 
the concerning thing here is that we're looking at the prospect that this may be a persistent spread, that while the doubling time has come down dramatically to about 25 days, so the amount of days it takes for the epidemic to double in size is about 25 now from day, days or less than a week at the outset of this epidemic, we may be facing the prospect that 20,000, 30,000 new cases a day diagnosed becomes a new normal, and 1,000 or more deaths becomes a new normal as well. Let me read from the New York Times. The projections confirm the primary fear of public health experts that a reopening of the economy will put the nation right back where it was in mid-March, when cases were rising so rapidly in some parts of the country that patients were dying on gurneys and hospital hallways. With cases rising in, so in rapidly... Like one borough of New York. With cases rising so rapidly rapidly that the health care system was overloaded. The health care system got overloaded almost nowhere. Right. There have been a couple of places, and, and God bless them, it was a nightmare. And there are healthcare workers dying of this thing. I am not a denier. I don't think it's a hoax or a joke. But that strikes me as, as wildly improbable. you got to admit it would be freaking awful if we kind of got ahead of this thing and then it, we let it come back and then it hits the way we were worried it was going to hit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That would be, that would be, that would pretty, be pretty awful. And it'd also be awful if we, you know, destroyed the economy for the next 15 years, uh, when indeed the death rate from this thing is not terribly different from the flu, and, you know, it's got to work its way through the population anyway. God dang it, it's so, it's so hard when you have so many, um, uh, what's the right word, disingenuous actors involved. Yes. you got people that profit from this in all kinds of different ways, either financially or politically. All of the media, the New York Times wants the economy to stay crappy. <laughs> well, they really do. Although I, that, that story is fabulous, clickbait. I don't think the media, who has been hit by loss of advertising, is hard. To, uh, maybe not as hard as any industry, but they have been hit really hard by this in terms of media's bottom line and their ability to to make money. I don't think they're rooting for it to stay around longer. Hmm. You don't. If, you don't if think they that, are, that's suicide. You don't think their perception is that it hurts Trump the worst it I is? I think that's true, but I also think they understand that it hurts them. They see their, their newsrooms hollowed out. They see their, their coworkers getting furloughed. I don't <laughs> think they're rooting for this to be... Certainly is the radio industry. You know, it's shocking, though, the consistency of people of a progressive bent who tend to be much more comfortable with government control and... and um, you know, central planning and the rest of it being being the main uh, cheerleaders against opening the economy. I mean, they just uniformly, we've got to err way to the side of caution. And and I just, I, it doesn't surprise me at all that the New York Times is amplifying a story like that. I just hope they're wrong uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, me I too. Hope, I, I hope the report is wrong, or even if the report is right, the CDC is wrong. I want this to be over. Well, I'm looking at the official statistics, and I don't see any indication of what he's saying. Um, now, if if I don't see, and, and I don't believe if we reopen things in a sensible way, as you've pointed out many times, a substantial part of the economy is humming along in a substantial amount of the country, and there is not an explosion of cases. So what is, what's going to lead to this alleged explosion of cases? I don't know. I just, I just don't see it. I don't know. This will be the story of the day because it just came out like in the last hour. This will be the story of the day. That Let the adjunct story of the day be Joe Getty calls bull hockey. That the Trump administration is projecting 3,000 daily deaths by early June. Now, is he going to do on his press conferences today? If he does, he'll be asked about that. 
And I don't know if he'll say, uh, I haven't seen that or or what, but that well, would be huge. The current deaths per day is upper hundreds. It's under 1,000 and dropping. And there, and this report says it will be, it's going to continue to rise until we reach a peak of 3,000 daily deaths on June 1st. So it's, the rest it's of the month. dropping. How does it continue to rise? What does that phrase mean? <laughs> I don't know. Bull crap. I'm just reading from the Again, NYT. Again, I say bull crap. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.